0: And if you see it, know it, you just got to stand up. And I've done it time and time again. Even in that TED talk, we hadn't even opened our first dispensary. I was just talking about how much I loved the plant and I was dedicated to it. So it's come a long way, and my voice would get shaky. I have had to work on my voice. We all have a voice.
1: Just kidding. What if I really sang the introduction to every episode? Y'all probably get annoyed, but hopefully a, a quick little laugh. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Shada Tarabi. I am the host of To Be Blunt, and today's guest is Franny Tacey. She's the owner of Franny's Pharmacy and is the first female hemp farmer in North Carolina in over seventy-five years. Wow. Franny is one of the preeminent experts of all things hemp. She participates in the hemp research trials with North Carolina State University. She has a TEDx speech on hemp and is the founder of a nonprofit, Women in Hemp. She has degrees and work experience in forestry and education and worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over a decade prior to transitioning into the cannabis space. This conversation truly was a hoot to have. Franny is such a powerful voice and a woman in action that this episode shines a light on. And I'm honored to welcome her to the show. So let's dive in and say hello to Franny. Well,
0: my name is Franny Tacey, also famously known as the Hippie in High Heels. And I am the founder, first female farmer, hemp farmer in North Carolina, first person in the country to do a TED Talk on hemp. So I am a huge advocate for all things hemp and uh, have developed over the past three years a vertically integrated business based out of Asheville, North Carolina called Franny's Pharmacy. And that's an F-A-R-M, putting the farm back in pharmacy. So I came from pharmaceuticals, always had farming as a passion. It has always been my hobby my whole life. And my dad was a farmer. And so we now have farms that are in our network, as well as manufacturing, processing, distribution, corporate stores and eight franchises across four states now. There we go. Brandy Casey, Brandy's Farm,
1: Brandy's everything. That's a lot. How do you do that? How do you go from working in pharmaceuticals to actually founding the farm and maybe kind of walk us through the farm today? I know you have multiple locations, like you said, but surely you didn't start with multiple locations. So, what is that journey of going from you know A to Z? It always starts with a thought or an inspiration.
0: And 30 years ago, when I was in forestry school in Flagstaff, Arizona, I read The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Well, that took the blinders off decades ago. And I've always been an advocate for cannabis and really, you know, thank cannabis for getting me through college with the 4.0 and all these other things. So I always wanted a farm. So while I was in pharmaceuticals, We were entrepreneurs as well, had built up this real estate empire and everything just came crashing in. And I'd always wanted a farm, I said, this is the time. Our son's 15, can drive, it's the time. So got the farm in 2012 and built that out. Again, a vision. And I was, everybody in pharmaceuticals knew, it's called Pharma to Farm was my story. It took three years before I was able to exit corporate America. In those last couple of years, I was even teaching business farming classes because I had started my farm. And I saw a little guy with uh, hemp, make hemp legal, let farmers grow hemp. And I walked up and I was like, tell me about this, what's going on? And this began, they were like, we needed to raise $200,000 in our state, get 100,000 signatures, get a university involved and develop a hemp commission in order to, because it was federally illegal. So there was no planting, anyhow, unless we came up with this criteria. So I was like, great. I signed the petition, got on the newsletter, and just as a hobby, again, started building that. Well, my network will help make all of those things happen. And so it had been going through legislation and been declined five times. We didn't think anything was gonna happen once again. And at 11.58 one evening, it passed. So the next day was about three weeks before we should have had hemp in the ground. And a bunch of us said, oh, my goodness, it happened. So we just leaped, jumped off the cliff to figure it out, had to source seed from Italy because it was federally illegal. We couldn't do it in the U.S. And so that's how it all started. And that was the heart and soul. We planted that first year for food and fiber because, again, I was like an advocate for hemp. So at the end of the year, donated it all back, got researchers involved. That's how we now collaborate. We have a started a women in hemp nonprofit that's funding a researcher because nobody can get educational grants for this business. So we're involved with NC State Research, all sorts of geneticists now, and our farm has a hemp history tour. You can visit the farm and stay there, and we're involved in research. I'm definitely a science geek, but... Farming has always just been my passion and my hobby. So,
1: yes, I'm still a hippie in high heels. I think that's a beautiful story, though, to highlight for people who are listening. So many people aspire to be in the industry, but aren't really, you know, aware of all the different pieces that, frankly, don't exist, and they're looking for someone who's maybe come before them who's already done it. However, what you're expressing is nobody has done it before you. Nobody has really done it before us, and I think the way that your state was operating and really how the federal landscape of hemp and cannabis in general is operating is very siloed and isolated, and so to just kind of have that dream and that passion and to blindly jump into the green pool as it is, and really just be passionate about the plant and also trying to push the boundaries forward, I think is where you found this magical mix of creating Franny's Pharmacy. And so another question I have is, you know, kind of maybe a two part. Did you just grow hemp on your farm or you grew other crops? And when it comes to hemp, do you, you said you're growing it for more food, but like at what point did you transition maybe to growing for hemp products, CBD products is really where I'm getting at. Like, when did that distinction come along?
0: We only grew one year for food and fiber. And like you said, there was nobody in the industry. And that's why we're vertically integrated. It's not the best way to get involved in the industry. But every single person that has a skill has got a place in this industry. You just got to figure out what your interest is. So the first year was food and fiber. And then we immediately switched to CBD because we knew that is where the business was going to be, and it needed to be profitable. But when we bought the farm in 2012, I have a sustainable ag forestry science degree, and I love land management. So we had already built the farm before hemp ever came along as a regenerative ag center. So I was doing lots of education. We've got animals we do goat yoga we were on vice tv we have lodging we did music festivals i mean our farm is this thriving heartbeat that is the brand behind what we are so that's what gave i mean it really ties a lot into the branding i'm still a huge advocate in the food and fiber i wear hemp every day i wear carry a hemp briefcase i eat hemp every single day but the business opportunity was in the CBD and hemp market. And so that's where we needed to go. We actually sold seven acres of our farm to open our first dispensary. And from there, it funded the second dispensary, which funded distribution. And, and we'll get into some of the marketing and, and finance and how we were able to build that because we were the first people in the country to do a public crowdfunding for a business that's regulated by SEC, FDSE, all the regulations, tons of attorneys and all this stuff, the first people in the country to do that. So instead of going out and getting outside investors and getting wrapped up in hemp fever and you know every man jumping out of uh, the off the farm and out of their corporate offices and trucks to claim themselves as an expert in a new industry when there are no experts, We're like, I'm not getting involved with those people. I stand alone as a woman at almost every place I'm involved. Unless I have these opportunities, which present themselves more and more as a CEO of a multimillion dollar company, people are saying, what women, we need women to step up. And uh, I have no fear. So (laughs) just risk.
1: I can see that you're fearless and you're boldly going into this. This unknown so confidently. And I don't think that it's confident that you're not going to fail. It's just confident because you're passionate about it. And there's this excitement around what you're building and what you're producing. And I love to tie in really quickly to kind of the history of the farm, especially when you touched on, you know, you created this environment for festivals and people to lodge at the farm and this educational experience of getting, you know, in front of animals and kind of connecting the dots of, you know, what is a farm experience to a consumer, but then you layer on cannabis. And I can't imagine that cannabis is favored you know, positively throughout North Carolina. Maybe you can share some of, you know, that experience of what it was like, you know, having this public space and you're building this brand and people are coming to you because they're having these great experiences. And then you start to kind of introduce them into CBD. Was it a welcome transition for your brand? Do you feel like because you already had the brand, you had that trust for your community? And so when you started introducing the CBD educational piece or the hemp rather educational piece that people were more comfortable with it, or what was that experience like? It was so wild and absolutely just wonderful.
0: I just... I just love it. So the first year, because I was the first and I had involved two research stations with this, I had the DEA flying over. And the first year it was for food and fiber. It's so close I could have identified them in a lineup. But, you know, we had the farm for five solid years. And I had built... Facebook following and social media and trust within our community, our farming community. So it definitely helps. I mean, because people say like, they know I am a hardworking woman of integrity with strict boundaries and I'm going to stand up for what's right. I mean, I was a teacher. I've coached half this community's kids growing up. So they're like, she's crazy, but might be on to something. So, It definitely helped. I mean, the news and the media picked it up so fast because I stand out from other brands. I mean, we're a brand. We were a brand as we started this. That's why it was Franny's Farm and Franny's Pharmacy. So it definitely helped. But also, I mean, I ended up that year having to shut our farm down to the public. We used to be a lot more open, where people would come out and actually even picnic and do self-guided tours and you pick blueberries that doesn't work anymore because too many people were curious. So there were, you know, people that had walked in my house, we had to put up security systems everywhere. And, and, you know, it's now kind of calmed down because that's when hemp fever hooked. I mean, everybody was like, what I'm going to make, millions, I've just found out how to save the farm or how the kids will get into the farm. So those first couple of years, because there was nobody in farming. My dad was a farmer, my passion is my farm. I spoke to tens of thousands of farmers. So again, mostly all men. I always said, don't spend a penny, you can't afford to lose. This is a new industry. There is nobody experts, but I promise I will be honest because I'm figuring it out. And I'm very, very big into mentoring and to finding mentors. So Kentucky had paved the way. They were the first. Not too far from us here in North Carolina. Don't think I wasn't knocking on the door. I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm your new best friend. And we are now after these years. So it definitely helped. But that does not mean that we did not also see the exact contrast of people that, you know. And and this is part of the woman thing, too. They want to decredit you or I I came from pharmaceuticals. I worked with, you know, surgeons slash gods, whatever. Anybody, anybody insults me, I always consider it a term of endearment. So no matter what you say, it's always good for me. So, yes, that has a lot to do with why we've had the press we have. Because marketing, when we start talking about marketing, you have to be able to market your business to be successful in business. And we have challenges in cannabis that no industry does. No other industry that I'm aware of has these challenges. And to be a
1: billion-dollar industry globally. It definitely makes the conversation of marketing that much more interesting. You have to get creative and look to other type of tactics. And I also think it's a really beautiful opportunity because I think you're seeing the industry and therefore the brands get pushed in different and interesting ways that it just encourages everybody to grow. So I know, you know, there's this hard sentiment around not being able to advertise on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, for example, and I'm not minimizing the pains. I know you've gone through them too, of having your website shut down because you're on the wrong platform or your Instagram account shut down because you posted the wrong thing. But something that I would rather highlight that I think that you've exceeded in is really building that personal brand through yourself, as well as building out your pharmacy as its own brand and going and getting the press that you've gotten. And so I think the media is a really... Interesting area because they're, you know sometimes supposed to be the mediator between the right and the wrong. And I think also when you layer on earned media, you're trying to go out there and get pressed for your brand. And I think personally speaking, I'll share a little quick story. We were, maybe like a three month old brand. This is two years ago. And we got a call by a local television station who wanted to do some story on CBD. Now I'll caveat this with, I majored in PR and marketing. I did corporate tech marketing. I'm very familiar with how the media works, but for some reason in this moment, they were calling and I said, I would like media on my CBD business and brand. Like, yes, let's do that. And They came out, like literally it happened in like the span of four hours. They were on the phone. They wanted to interview us. We were so excited that somebody called us, wanted to interview our brand. We were like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is how you get exposure. The whole angle was about CBD for pets. They come and they do the segment and then they leave. And I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, we brought our family dog. We had a pet line or we still have a pet line, but we had just launched our pet line. So I was like, great. This is going to be a really good story about giving pets CBD we turned the news on that night and it was actually like a investigative piece. Like, would you give your pet CBD? Like, dun, dun, dun. And then they had asked the consumers a poll and it was like, luckily people were like, you know what, I would give my pet CBD. So the poll was more in favor of CBD, but the way that they had positioned it was, would you give your pet CBD question question question? And I remember watching it thinking, "Oh my gosh, they could have totally slammed my brand in this instance." And I think it was just a really real experience of I was so excited to get press for our brand because that's what I'm trying to do in this industry is get creative and get my story out there, but not realizing how the media was potentially going to taint the effect of what CBD or cannabis really could be or the potential of it. And so, It caught us in a weird, you know, position. It ended up being in our favor. And that story has brought us a lot of business, even many years later, because people are curious and they want to know about CBD and they want to know brands that they can connect to who can give them honest information and quality products and just be a friendly face. I mean, I love... That you highlighted too how active you are in your community. Like we're so active in our Austin community as Austinites that I think when when we launched and getting those media coverages, it's like, oh, it's it's Shada or oh, it's Franny. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Right. And so you've gotten a lot of press back to you. You've gotten a lot of press around your brand. I'm just curious, all positive? Have some scared you? Do you secure all the PR yourself? Like, let's dive into it. It's
0: everywhere, everywhere. So we had the Citizen Times, which is a part of a Jeanette Media publication, which is papers, Came out and did a publication and I was on the cover of the paper and they have my hands and you know I have very distinctive custom like a Buddha spoon ring from India, friend made all this stuff. Well, they own the photography. So I've been on the cover of New York Times, no shout out, no credit to Franny Tacey, Franny's Farm, Franny's Pharmacy. I've been on the cover of the Chicago Tribune. They own that piece. So I have used my hands, my farm. And pieces of me, not the face, but shadows of me, have been in national press all over the U.S. that never returned anything. So I see it and I'll be like, those are my hands, look, you know. So that's one where you're like, well, that's interesting. And then we had PBS. I mean, I'm a geek. I don't even watch TV, but if I do, it's like PBS or... They were out and that was a very interesting spin too, because it did bring up a whole bunch of controversy. And, you know, I interviewed with them and had pictures for two days and it comes out at the end, there's like, you know, I don't know, 95 seconds, not the power, beautiful, oh, Franny is gonna inspire everybody to get in this hemp industry, it's so great. It was kind of the one thing like, I would not suggest to anybody leap, then look. So I really thought that press was, I've been in the media and on the news like more than 60 times, I can't even keep up with it. And um, there's not any one silver bullet. That's what building a brand. This is what farming, this is what life is. This is why my farm is the base of all this. Connection to source. When we plant anything, you have to grow the roots. And so that's what we even do in this business. It's the person, it's the farm, it's the foundation. There are certain things we've had to pull back in, and media in some other ways so that we didn't grow too fast or we just staying true. So I'm just so grateful, so blessed, so blessed. I have to pat myself on the back all the time for having the intestinal fortitude and a wicked sense of humor. Um, I laugh. Somebody tells me no. I'm like, oh, you don't know me very well. It's like, I didn't hear that. So any press is good press, but, you know, to be on every NBC, ABC, Fox, PBS, Vice, there's not been anything that's like, oh, she's, that's it. It's because of the way the rest of the marketing works. And we've had our Facebook shut down so many times, Instagram, websites, banking. We've had PayPal has $20,000 they kept from us, you know, and they did that 16,000 from our nonprofit women in hemp. People just steal money and they say, well, sorry, sue us if you want it back, it's cannabis. So, you know, just knowing, and that's what's part of the beauty. I mean, I just know I work for a goddess. People say when you're the CEO, who do you turn to for advice? Well, I've got amazing, amazing mentors And I work for a goddess plant. So it's, you know, I have a boss.
1: What your North Star is. I think that you captured something that I personally believe in really well. And it's, you know, the kind of one-to-one approach it's. Yes, if I can make this one person in front of me feel more comfortable with the plant, more confident, more understanding, whether it's someone who walks into my retail store or someone who interacts with me on social media, all the way through every media opportunity that has happened, you know, it's just being able to be confident and know that you are helping advocate and, you know, make somebody else... a a steward of that plan so it's something that I don't take lightly it sounds like you don't take lightly either but you also know that it's not you know the one massive bucket that does anything it's those little drops that build the bucket up
0: yep and when I originally started I had that opportunity to really meet and interact with people in you know groups of 300 to a thousand which is a, a pretty intimate group and especially this year um haven't really had that same opportunity. So it's really, really important for anybody in here that has a voice to continue and make sure that we are educating because they've done surveys. And even for people in the industry, we have these great conversations. People that are familiar with cannabis and even within the industry still can't quite differentiate what hemp is. And it's just important that this dialogue continue in every aspect of our business.
1: I couldn't agree more which is really why I wanted to create this podcast. This is a small corner of the universe that I get to exist in and both selfishly and also, you know, altruistically help the community by bringing together people who are experts or educators rather and like let's just talk about things and try to get on the same page. I love kind of when you highlighted you're not always maybe the smartest person or you're not always, there's no expert, but like you become the expert or you become in a position of having expertise. The more that you lean in, the more conversations you have, the more that you show up. I think if you just sit back and you're the recipient of the law, the regulations, the industry, the market, then you're being reactive instead of being proactive. When we first launched the brand and then really going to my first few hemp conferences, I remember looking around and listening to other people and thinking, I mean, you're talking about most people even in the industry don't really fully understand where hemp fits in with cannabis or compared to, you know, marijuana. And that was something that just, when you said that it took me back to that feeling of, shit, I don't know if I know these things. What are other, what are other people saying? You know, Oh, what did that person say in that podcast? Or What did that person say in that panel? Or, oh, you know, what did Franny say when she got quoted in that article? And, and I think for me, that's where I started being able to accumulate, okay, hey, this is a consistent thing. We're all talking kind of from this angle or we're using these words. And that really helped me build up confidence. And so I just strive to continue to place myself in those positions educating myself. <laughs> and I think, especially in this day and age where I found a gap of not being able to go network, obviously in person. Yeah. I can't go to my conferences. I can't go to my cannabis events, but we were kind of talking, you know, prior to recording, like LinkedIn for me has been a huge treasure trove of a platform that has allowed me to continue building my business. And so I think when you look at marketing there's obviously the consumer facing, but then there's also the, you know, where do I get the information that I then present to the consumers? And so for me, it's creating that great feedback loop of where am I hanging out? Who are my, you know, mentors or peers or thought leaders? And then how do I create content and output that for consumers? So what people think of as experts is somebody that knows everything and can tell you exactly
0: what to do. And this is why I say there are no experts because a lot of what I offer, I've got more expertise in the industry than almost anybody in every aspect of it. But that comes from being able to tell you what not to do because this is a new industry and it's not business as usual. That's why I say, there's not really experts. It takes people like us having conversations, as we move through legislation and we continue to evolve and it's just been amazing how all of this has shifted i was going to be on the road speaking it all across the country i was only going to be in town 13 days out of 2 months and then go to china for the international hemp symposium for 3 weeks my farm wasn't ready the pharmacy wasn't ready i wasn't ready we're learning new ways to connect and it's really really important so Shout out. I'm so glad that you're doing what you do. Thanks.
1: I mean, the feeling is mutual. Like I just feel so privileged to get to sit in this position. And I think that's a sentiment that's come through with every conversation I've been able to have both on the podcast and just in my regular day to day life as a cannabis brand business owner. It's wow. Like I'm in. I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm in Texas. I'm in America, you know, however you slice it. And I get to be in this industry. I want to be a good steward of this plant. I love that you say that you, you know, work for this goddess plant. I think that it really is a healing plant. Most people, I know I shared with you my story before we recorded. Most people do know that I was in this car accident. And while I loved cannabis and the psychoactivity of it, and the recreation of it i really wasn't in tune with the medicinal aspect and then of course getting into hemp it was a rabbit hole now you look at i think you quoted in your ted talk 25,000 reported uses i've heard you know up to 50,000 uses and we really only talk about cbd oil and so i as somebody who's in this industry and while i operate a cbd brand i'm like This is a really cool plant, whether you want the psychoactivity, whether you want the hemp fiber, hempcrete, hemp, whatever the product is, it's just like, how do you connect those two worlds going from, you know, the version of Shada, who was, you know, 17 at a rock concert in Austin, Texas, lighting up a joint to, you know, let's say maybe Willie Nelson compared to now being able to say hey, you know, cannabis can have this fun recreational aspect to it, but look at all these other uses of this plant. I mean, the plant's regenerative, restorative, it sucks up toxins. Like you just, you start reading about it and you're like, wait, what? And then I want to just tell everybody, I'm like shaking people. Not really, but I'm like, do you know that this is this plant and this is what the plant does? I mean, the presidents, you know, who were requiring us to be growing it when they were immigrating. And And you can pay your taxes with it. Yes. And it's like, whoa, wait, (laughs) whoa, how did we get here? And then you, of course, look into media. And then I think media being one of those pillars of like, it controls so much of the narrative. It does. And so I think brands like ourselves have to go and then. And, you know, kind of like work backwards, but it's just like, again, to punctuate like such a privilege. I'm so like energized to be able to have these conversations. And it is fun getting to talk to women like yourself who are clearly smart and educated, but also are doing it because you're just passionate about it.
0: Oh, and when it comes
1: from people and not
0: the media, you get that passion, that belief. It's really, really powerful to be able to connect and educate people because this is not just connecting with people. This is connecting to source. We were created with an endocannabinoid system. The plant was created before us, thousands of years before us. It all existed as part of us in the way we're supposed to live harmoniously within our bodies and in our environment. It's connection to source. And I always say CBD for me, I tell people it's like a hug. It's like giving yourself a hug. You're feeding your system. There's no vitamin A receptors in your body. They work to attach and attract and synthesize everything else you put in your body. But we have receptors designed just for that. That's how we were created. And every single one of us and all mammals. I love telling women, you know, they say milk drunk. No, 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 honey. Milk high. We don't produce alcohol in our breasts, but we do produce cannabinoids cannabis for our babies. That's how we're feeding our infants. It is connection, connection, connection.
1: On connection to bring up again, another point that I really want to further dig into with you is just your brand. And it's kind of maybe a hard question for me to articulate because I get asked this question a lot as somebody who's really involved in branding how do you do it? How did you wake up one day and kind of like come up with the brand? And then how do you further evolve that brand over time? What are those activities? What guides you? Because for me, I feel like I know what a personal brand is. It's me. I'm Shada and I show up as myself and I advocate, articulate. It's easy. I think when you're involving yourself, but if you're not somebody who's good at personal branding. I think that, that can be hard. And so I'm just curious, have you always been this comfortable personally branding and obviously bringing that personal brand into your brand or do you have separations between the two and how do you, how do you find confidence in that? Um, that's a pretty deep and in-depth question
0: because I get you know, blast of inspiration, and I call it, you know, my higher voice, all of a sudden will be like, hey, I feel like it's a whisper or a shout out to myself saying, hey, did you think about this? There is room in this industry for everybody, no matter what they are. I am living and being true to who I am, which farming's always been my passion. I went to forestry, sustainable ag school in college in the late 80s, you know, in early 90s. I was in pharmaceuticals, my master's is in education, so I'm just being me. And that translates into our farm, into me, into our pharmacy, into the brand. But any and everybody, to be successful, you have to be true to yourself. So I've always been organic. I haven't been to a doctor, medical doctor for a health condition ever since I had sinus surgery. you know, I had allergies you know, I've always eaten organic, I've always planted gardens. So it's very authentic. And so I think with hemp fever, when we saw a lot of people come in claim to be experts and their businesses are already gone, they're, they're missing the authenticity to that. We need attorneys, we need accountants, we need PR people, we need executive secretaries, we need bud tenders, people to go learn about this plant. Any and everything, people in retail, any and Everybody, whatever you're good at, if you love cannabis, there is a space for you. So with the big complicated question for me, that's all I can think about. It's just be authentic. And I stand up and it is not always easy and not always comfortable because I am oftentimes, almost always the majority the, in the minority. And the majority is, is I'm around white males, it's a white male dominated industry. So my words and my voice may not be as long and exhausted, but I will always make my presence known only by adding value. And so that's what we all need to do. You got to stand up. And if you see it, know it, you just got to stand up. And I've done it time and time again, even in that Ted talk, I'd, We hadn't even opened our first dispensary. I was just talking about how much I loved the plant and I was dedicated to it. So it's come a long way and my voice would get shaky. And I was like, I have had to work on my voice. We all have a voice.
1: I think that was the best way that you could have answered the question. I think it's not meant to be complicated, right? But I think we as humans overcomplicate things. And I think you've touched on it multiple times of, and I usually refer to it this way, you know, people have, you know, green in their eyes. They see an opportunity, they see cannabis as this cash cow. And obviously you and I are smart business owners and business women and leaders. And so to not acknowledge that there's a business opportunity with this plant is just not accurate. However, to your point of being authentic to yourself, and I do, you know, I see that a lot. I see a lot of brands popping up, even just in my own circle here in Austin, who you don't know who they are. You don't know what they believe in. You don't know anything about them. And I don't think that you explicitly always have to have brands that are as transparent perhaps as you and I, but I do think as the market shifts and this industry shifts i think consumers do want to have some sort of connection to the person who they're buying from or the people that they're purchasing from and so i do think that right now it is something that if people aren't honest with themselves about what they're doing or why they're doing it that's i think where people get tripped up it's like why isn't my brand working i just you know got x amount of funding and i went and launched or i invested x amount of money i went and launched and nobody's buying my product it's like well you're mr or mrs cbd brand of you know thousands and you have to cut through you have to cut through and so i'm not saying you know don't get excited or inspired to get in the industry perhaps in cbd but hopefully these conversations can open up one the many other uses of both hemp and, you know, just the cannabis plant, but to really get people to think beyond their why, why do they want to be in this industry. Why are they showing up every day? Like, what is that important piece to them? And I, I resonate with this conversation because I like you just really love this plan. It's changed my life so much. And I didn't get into this industry to really start a business. I mean, I was in an accident that introduced me to CBD. I just had a story. I'm a storyteller. I wanted to tell that story to my community. And that's really the foundation for how our brand got started. And so again, didn't mean to punk you. I think you answered it so perfectly because I think people need to just be true to themselves, and like you said, there's so many different aspects. Like I, I just connected with somebody who is a cannabis accountant in Texas, and I love that. I love seeing people take ownership of this industry and kind of blend it into these different aspects that are maybe not as popular as a CBD brand or a farm or you know a product. Maybe it is something more like you said, a bud tender or an accountant or a lawyer or even like. You know, some of these CBD cannabis agencies that I've seen pop up. So, because I touched a little bit on it and you touched about your funding, I am curious, what was that experience like? Because, I mean, we talked about it too. It's hard to get funding, it's hard to get payment merchants, it's hard to be on a platform. So, you have all these things kind of working against you. At what point are you like, you know what, let's crowdsource this and see what happens? Like, how'd you get to that point? Well, back to
0: what you were saying, like money is the worst motivator to get in the business. It's got to be more than that. But money is important. And because of the regulations, you're not going to get any funding. So we knew we wanted to scale. And with all the investors and all the investment groups and everybody with him fever trying to come and present things, we had already learned enough to know, like, no that's not the way to do it, to bring in people with less experience. And Jeff found out about this crowdfunding and crowdsourcing for corporations that is just like you would any other type of stock. And so it's through Start Engine and we were able, it was a huge success, but we were the first in the country. So we got major press over it too. They're like, whoa, Local Asheville CBD company, Franny's Pharmacy, launches stock campaign. And people were like, what? I mean, it sold out and oversubscribed. We had to renew it and refresh it and ended up raising half a million dollars within you know a week, which allowed us to send our distribution, really set up the infrastructure in this distribution. And we now have extended that. And just a year later, as soon as we did that, I mean, everybody is like, oh, my gosh, this is a way it is a way, people. But I still want you to know that any crowdfunding is primarily going to be your circle of influence that's investing in you. And so we now have another campaign. So we did that one. The second one, when it launched, it was at you know four times the dollar value per share. And now we have one in manufacturing. So that we can extend that so anybody can go and invest in Franny's manufacturing right now, because we want to continue to upscale. And the best way for us to do that is if we get all these other people and those are low. That's what you call low hanging fruit and marketing and sales. They want to see us succeed. It really establishes a great connection with these people. But in a sense, every single word, I mean, it's all public. There's never a word behind closed doors or anything. It is all on that campaign. And so it's very open, very transparent, really great source. I mean, it's why people go through, you know, private investors and so forth. But I I just want to warn you, that's a really tricky place to be as well, you know, because now you're answering to somebody
1: else. Yeah. Not only are you answering to these investors, anytime you take investment, you're, you know, responding to these investors, but I think something that I'm really curious to ask more about, and hopefully this sits well is, you know, when you go further to push yourself into the public eye, one, you're obviously trying to grow and scale your business. You're also trying to further advocate for the plant. But just speaking from my, you know, limited personal experience, also going through this action, anytime you push yourself further, further out there, so you're like, hey, we want to grow our business, so we're going to open this up for crowdfunding, which opens up for more media eyes. How do you kind of approach or combat perhaps the butting up against the regulatory and legal laws? And I ask that because, for example, you can't make... Claims that CBD does anything. And so maybe something is hiding in one of your social media posts, a previous post. uh, I heard even testimonials could be held in court if a consumer is saying something. And so, not to get into that rabbit hole, but just really on the sentiment of as you further push and push and push. How do you manage who's watching and how you're actually protecting your brand? And you're especially when there's no nobody who's really doing it the right way. You know, you're the example, essentially.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Don't think for a minute. We don't have hosts of attorneys all over for all sorts of things. That's what I I always said. I choose people better than me to fight those battles, but yes, there are everything from our name to every single state we go in, you have to register every time you want to get a lease for a franchise. There nobody, that is not something people are open and receptive to. So we're just used to it again. I mean, I come back and say like intestinal fortitude, what can we handle? I've gotten, you know, praise and criticism alike, but You're exactly right about testimonials. And, you know, the one thing that I will always openly say is, people, this is legal for a reason. This is what we the people are. And especially right now where people are in this disillusionment of what reality and elections and politics is. I'm like, it's still we the people. The government is just this huge machine. The only way to move it is we the people and the collective. How many people before us have gone before us and been imprisoned and ridiculed for making this plant legal? So listen to the people that's why it's legal and I never make a false claim. I came from twelve years in pharmaceuticals I'm well trained like you just don't do that That's part of the expertise that allowed us to do manufacturing. I mean I came from a global pharmaceutical company. Oh, yeah. Those are lines we do not cross, but that doesn't keep litigation and, you know, trouble. And that's just part of the game. Back to intestinal fortitude and a wicked sense of humor.
1: I love it. Part of the game, it sounds like you've got a good group of people who are helping guide not only you as this woman who's really behind your brand, but also your brand, Annie's Pharmacy. I think you've really beautifully shared your story and I hope that it continues to be a resource for people who are looking at how they can be involved in the industry, looking at maybe perhaps their why hopefully, you know, getting a little bit more clarity on the realities of what we go through when we exist in this space. It's not for the faint of heart. And yeah, just also the passion and excitement that obviously exists when you're able to really lean into your gifts and your talents and obviously like your history, like you came from pharmaceuticals and this love of ag and farming. And so like those things were all coursing you to have this moment and this opportunity to be an advocate for this plant in this way that you are. So I love it. I love everything that you've said. Like, sign me up. I'm a subscriber. I want to follow you. Be a fangirl. And I know our followers do too. And vice versa. And
0: vice versa. I mean, what is so beautiful about what you're doing and I'm doing is this is still an unregulated market. So people do say and do things. And on the back end, the products, there's so much misleading and the products, when the FDA pulled 86 and only 24 had CBD in it. There is issues. People need a person or a brand that they can believe in now. And that is in marketing, what is preventing some people from the success. It's part of the reason we set up franchising because let us just take you through it because most people can't do what we do. There's a lot of people that have entrepreneurial skills and the desire and the know-how, but they've got to be plugged into a system because it's just not business as usual. So brands like what you're doing and what I'm doing, we're out there and we're like, just trust us. Consumers need that. Otherwise they're buying on price or whatever props up. And it's unregulated. It's an unregulated market. Your products do not necessarily, not yours and mine, but other products, we have COAs. We were the first, not only in our state, but in the country to put COAs. Certificate of analysis with our products three years ago when we started. People were like, What's that? We're like, that's transparency. So you know what you're getting. Not that they know how to read it or tell it anyway, but it, you know, it can be easily learned and decoded. You could see CBD and THC and Delta 9 and so forth. So yeah, it's people like us that consumers need. He's going to tell him the truth. He's going to walk the talk.
1: You're going to walk the talk. I'm going to walk the talk. And I, I think to end it on that of I, my one of my favorite quotes is your actions speak louder than your words. And so you can preach it, talk it, speak it all day long. But until you actually get an action, you show up, you get involved you put the time in, you put the work in, you do make some mistakes and you lose some money and you hopefully build a brand that people can trust. So with that said, where can people find you on the internet? How can they connect with you after this episode? Let us know how to find you.
0: We're emerged like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This Trinity of Franny Tacy, which is me. Franny is with a Y. Where that is a lot about just being a woman in an industry, personal insights, a lot of business stuff, and just that's a me. Um, Franny's Farm. We are open to the public. That is a great place to find out more. You're going to see more pictures of our hemp and what's going on on the research. And then, of course, Franny's Pharmacy. And that is where you can find our products and you can learn more about our brand and you can connect with us if you're interested in any level of business. We're elevating the whole industry by helping people that want to private label their own brand or wholesalers that need a reliable supply chain because that's been disrupted during COVID. To have products to sell or franchises people that want to open a business and you know that's what we're doing we're elevating the industry so Franny's Pharmacy.com is really just that key place to start we're all over social media and everywhere so we would love to connect
1: I always get so sad when episodes end but then i remember that there will be a new one next monday and this one will exist forever and ever never on the podcast website so Please, if you didn't get a chance to listen to other episodes, go check some of those out. If you love this episode with Franny, please share it with your team, share it with your squad, share it with your friends. I think that these conversations are so important to have, whether it directly impacts you or just gives you a little nugget of information so that you can better do your job. That's the goal. So thanks for listening. I hope you really did enjoy this interview with Franny. Like she said, like I said, please connect with us. We are people and we love to hear what the community is up to. I know personally, I love hearing how this show is resonating with you guys and what you're learning. So you can follow the show on Instagram, DM me at to be blunt pod. And if you're on iTunes, please take an extra second to go leave us a review. Those reviews help make the show more visible so other people can find it as well. So thanks again for this episode. I appreciate your time and energy. And until the next one, talk to you guys later. Bye love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit the slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.